Welcome to episode 58 of The Process. Love, purpose, and security. Yeah, yeah, up for love. My mother used to tell me, up for love. Joy comes in the morning and I, up for love. The morning's not in the AM, it's when you wake up. Yo, I wanna be fly, 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 fly. Floating through the sky like a dream when they say I can't fly, 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 fly. I'ma smile, then show them my wings. Leapfrog through the clouds, never been in with the crowd. So proud to be myself. Yes, I gotta do me, get out, hit the streets. Spread love, cause the world really needs some help, yo. I don't need a witness, don't need your forgiveness. Forgiving my heart so you can rip it apart. It'll still be strong, even when I'm not home. I'm connected to love, and if you think that it's wrong, I don't wanna be right, bruh. I'm taking a flight, bruh. Above negativity and bad advice. I open my eyes, so I'm high off life. The best things are free. I never look at the price, yo. I'm glad to be alive today. If I gave you all of me, would I get all of you? If I told you I'm anointed, could you see the proof? Give my heart and soul for you when I'm inside the booth. Feel my love, feel my pain when I'm inside the booth. Would you switch a change on me if you knew the truth? Knowing I ain't the same person that was introduced. Thank the Lord, cause I don't look like what I've been through. Here's a letter to you. I'm back again. Jesus on that cross, I had to rise again. Time to get my blessings, time to get my blessings I had to live my life, I had to learn my lessons I had to keep that smile, but deep inside I'm stressing Just trying to keep my spirits from that deep depression It's time to tighten up I put my pride down and pick that Bible up uh, Today we have Royce Levin on the podcast Welcome to the podcast, Royce Appreciate it, family, appreciate it, man Hey man, could you tell the listeners where you're from? I'm from Tallahassee, Florida. Um, for most folks, that's a FSU, FAMU, College Town, Capital City. Tell them where, where we're from. What part of Tallahassee we're from? Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, we are from um, the north side of Tallahassee. Grew up on, um, but what, when most folks think north side, a lot of times, if you're from Tallahassee, you think north side, a lot of times, you think um, Killarney area. But we from the countryside. Yeah. Tallahassee, down Meridian Road, dirt roads and, and canopy roads and just having fun. We we country boys. Oh yeah, country boys on the other side. Uh, what was it like growing up in Tallahassee for you? Man, um, you know, as you get older and you start uh, understanding certain things, I think you can, you know, explain it better. But at the time, growing up in Tallahassee was full of family, full of family, full of friends. Like growing up on that side of town, um, all I was around was like um, my mother's side of the family. Um, she has a huge set, my brother Rosa Lovett, um, the Freeman side of the family, um, um, and tons of other uh, relatives that all over there, um, Thompson Circle, Meridian Circle, Meridian Road, um, China Doll, like, tons of like family and it was country and at the same time it was um it was it was hard work you know you saw a lot of hard-working people people that work with their hands um that's kind of like my story a lot um my grandparents sold produce um my mother worked as a teacher assistant my father worked um for the city of tallahassee and um that's how I kind of grew up. I think when, I think now when I look back at it, I think growing up in Tallahassee kept me 
not as diverse as I would like to be. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I thought I kind of grew up in a very diverse environment, but I actually didn't. All the way from like church to, you know, school, you realize like, wow, like sometimes I was like, like me and you, I think we were like three, there was three other black people in the class while we, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and like, you know, or four other black folks in the class. And, you know, I think, um, realizing now that Tallahassee um, is in a very diverse place, although we have great colleges, people come here from all over. It's mostly, you know, a white and black town, still very Southern. And um, I think I'm still proud of, um, of the hardworking, you know, people that I come from uh, in Tallahassee, so. You brought back some memories, man, of uh, China Doll and Paramore States and Thompson yeah, yeah. Circle. And Lewis John Lane on the other side. This, these are all streets that, you know, were predominantly black uh, yeah. in, in, a, in a white area in Tallahassee. Um, and it's, it's interesting to see how, how we have all grown. Um, just a little background, Royce was my first friend. <laughs> W.T. Yeah. Moore, W.T. Moore days. Uh, we were in kindergarten together, uh, yeah. rode the bus together. But, um, and I remember your mom wrote the the dedication song for our elementary school. Yep, they still sing that boy. <laughs> they still sing that song. So that's a good segue. You know, how did you get started into music? I think music was just always a part of the family, man. Um, I think I started, you know, when I decided to kind of do this for for my, you know, my living, do this for a hobby. But growing up in it, like my mom was always singing. I was in church 24 seven. I mean, like, you know that, like, cause she wore so many hats at church. And so uh, not just like leading worship and being the prayer leader and the cook and who cleaned up and, and who led people when they had problems. And so I was like always in church and church was always meant music to me a little bit it, it meant um serving but it also meant music to me because you know when i ain't had nothing to do i would jump on the drums or i jump on the piano and play around or you know mm -hmm. i think um, you know growing up in such a huge family um, with so many diverse ages we had to play music that everybody could get down to so you know you always listen to like the motown greats that everybody could listen to at the same time oh yeah Childhood was definitely full of music. I knew I wanted to do music around, uh, well, well, no, nah, cause see, <laughs> I mean, you know me, like uh, all the way from like, maybe like sixth grade, I was like, yo, I want to play ball. Yeah. I want to be a rapper um, and a boxer. And I think that I actually kind of got into music officially. Um, when I started kind of thinking about those bigger questions in life, um, what does purpose mean? Mm -hmm. Is there a God? And then as I was thinking about those things, I was like, man, if God is real, then purpose must be real. And I was wondering what my purpose was. And I felt like the thing I knew the most about and the thing that I was most interested in was music. And then I kind of slowly devoted my life to to music right mm -hmm. understanding it watching what it does for people what i want to ask you you know being writing music you know what i like about your music is is it's authentic it's genuine it tells a story um you know where did that come from when did you start writing 
And how does it feel to, you know, release your thoughts into music? So during that time I was exploring music, I was learning, you know, I had a lot of coming of age moments. Um, during that time, I was like, okay, black people have to rap. That's what I just kind of thought, you know? Yeah. And that opened the door of, um, of uh, realizing how much music um, black people have been involved in and how ignorant, um, what kind of environment I kind of grew up in thinking that hip hop music was the only music choice for me. And I started uh, listening to new people around the age of 13, where I started really exploring like Bob Marley. Like, you, you know, I probably heard, um, don't worry. Um, yeah. <laughs> and as a kid, you know, you, you just, you just bop into the song. But during that time, I was just like, yo, what is that sound? And then I was like, oh, that's a guitar. And, oh, what is that sound? And like, I was having these aha moments um, that might kind of seem funny to the listener, depending on who's ever listening. But <laughs> I was having these like aha moments and then listening to Bob Marley, I was like, I think it was um, No Woman, No Cry. Mm -hmm. I was actually listening to the song and started listening to the words and the story. And I was like, wow, this song isn't actually a happy song. Yeah. Guys, actually, he's actually talking about weeping. Poverty, yeah, the weeping and the poverty level and um, the disparities that are just in the black community, especially where he grew up. And it doesn't really feel happy until it gets to the part of uh, everything's going to be all right. And then it, and then it, and then it, it almost turns into like a, a like a gospel record. Yeah, yeah. And so I think that's when I started hearing stories. And then I would go back and listen to a Michael Jackson record, and be like, you know, we listen to beat it as a kid. You just having fun and you trying <laughs> to do the moves or whatever. But then at that time, I was having all these aha moments. I went back and listened to Beat It, and I'm like, bro, this is a straight up story from from start to finish. Like, like learning, a, like hearing what he's saying about the fight to of himself in the mirror and the fight of like peer pressure, mm -hmm. and like you just hearing these like thoughts, and you're like, yo, this cat is like saying stuff. Then I got caught up in in watching a lot of interviews of artists and how Michael Jackson would say. Quincy Jones would tell him that music has to be a story. Yeah. Music has to touch people. Music has to be um, relatable to, uh, to to bring people through something. You know what yeah. I mean? And so that's when I think my rhymes started to develop into... So at first I was doing a lot of just like Christian hip hop. Because during that time I got... I gave my life to, to Christ. I didn't really have any theology. I didn't really have any understanding of history. I didn't really have anything. I just knew that, you know, um, God is real and I want to tell people God real. <laughs> and so a lot of my rhymes didn't make any sense. All they was really saying was like, God loves you in different ways. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And so I started telling stories because I started realizing I had a story. Yeah. And I started realizing that other people had stories. And I think that's um, how my music kind of developed into um, into what you were saying. You know what I mean? Like, 
self-expression, man. I, I My two favorite songs is Up For Love. I mean, I, I hear it a lot, especially your TED talk. I heard the Up For Love. But the one that I really love, man, it gave me goosebumps the first time I heard it was dope. Um, that it, it's just maybe because I know your story, I know your grandmother, I know the fruit stand, I know the whole thing, you know what I mean? So it touched me, but the way you put it into words and you put that image into illustration was powerful, man. That was a powerful song. And so, do you see yourself continuing on on that, you know, kind of rapping, singing, storytelling? Is that definitely? I think, um. So I think my, my musical journey has changed a lot, you know, trying to find myself because um, it, it's easy to imitate people. You know, it's easy to imitate your favorite artist or the most popular thing. Mm-hmm. And I think the hard part sometimes is finding yourself and in, in making people see that and, and uh, being relatable to it. So my style has changed a lot over the like, you know, course of like 10 years I've been, you know, trying to make this work. Mm-hmm. I think what I love about this like singing and rapping and playing and having guitar and having live instrumentation is it's uh, kind of universally speaks to different people. Mm-hmm. And like one thing I do, you know, whenever COVID is over, I'll do it again. But like one thing I do um, at a lot of my shows is during a certain point, you know, we turn the lights on in the house and I ask people to look around and I'm just like, yo, like, look how people come together. Like there's black folks here, white folks here, Asians here, like there's different types of people here. There's the hip hop heads and the, the hipsters and people who like folk music and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so I think I definitely will keep that style of like rapping and singing, but because you brought up dope, um, I definitely did go more centered for this mixtape that I released. I definitely did go more centered to um, the hip hop culture I came up in, mm-hmm. um, because hip hop has a way of telling a story that that no other music style can. Yeah. Um, of hitting a hitting a nerve and hitting a bone that no other music style can. And I had a lot to say, and I felt like if I'm going to be the most vulnerable, which on this this hip hop this this uh, mixtape, I'm probably the most vulnerable I've ever been on any records. Um, then I felt like I had to do it um, in a hip hop atmosphere, if that makes oh, sense. Oh yeah, and definitely with that sample singing in the background, man, oh my goodness. That, it brought it home, and I love that, I love that track. I wanted to add, take a step back a little bit, you know, you've been married for over, what, 10, 11 years now? You know, both of y'all, she pursued, she went to FAMU also, and you all have two young boys. And what has that been like, you know, pursuing your dream while also, you know, being a father and a husband? Um, it is, it is challenging. And to be honest with you, it kind of like, as I'm answering this question, <laughs> um, my thoughts are saying, I wish it wasn't that challenging. I, I wish it didn't feel that challenging mm-hmm. um, because, because I think, you know, Western world, Western culture, makes pursuing your dream and being a father and being a husband separate from each other. Yeah. You know, and for some reason, as I'm developing my thoughts, answering this question, it's just like, man, it just really shouldn't be separate from one another. Um, You know, when I got married, all I heard was like, don't do it. Like, you're gonna, like, 
you know, your dreams are gonna flush down the toilet, Royce. Like you already picked like something that's uh, a hard career. Like you've already um, set yourself up to like, to, to grind hard every day, like don't do it. Um, and maybe for some people, that was good advice. You know, yeah. people loved me. They, they gave me they gave me good advice. They, they wanted me to succeed in, in different things. Um, but for me, like I knew who I was marrying and I knew her goal and her vision. And um, actually she's the one after two years of marriage that told me to, to quit my job and to just do music full time. Wow. And we, we talked about a plan and she was like, hey, like it was actually all her, like straight up. like. <laughs> She was like, yeah, if we get, um, you know, a thousand CDs for, you know, a thousand bucks, that's a dollar a CD and we sell them for $10, that's great. That's great profit. Those margins sound great. And you get out there, you know, every day and, you know, hustle these CDs, sell them out the trunk. We can, you can actually make the same amount of money that you're making at this part-time right now. Yeah. And I was just like, I mean, that makes sense. That's, you gotta grind though. And she was like, yeah, do you want to, and so, just things like fell in line and i and i do think sometimes and I'm, i've been reading a lot of books lately especially about having the, the, the courage to chase your dream yeah you know this one book i just picked up i'm reading um think and grow rich oh yeah and um some of the things it's talking about um i really dig but you know i'm not done with the book so i'm not knocking it but what i'm what i'm trying to say is some of the things it is talking about, I think it's fantastic. But I do think sometimes the stars kind of have to align sometimes yeah. in order for you to to move like that. Because I very well could have married someone who was like, yo, you've been doing this music thing for like two years, you ain't making no money, doc. I need you to shoot your mouth. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? And she, real talk, that would have been fine to say, because that's my wife and I got to provide. But I ended up marrying somebody that was like, Yo, how about you quit your job and get out there on these streets and hustle some CDs? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so that push um, was great. I think after I found out that we're having a baby boy, that was scary because you're like, yo, this is a whole nother thing. Like, how, how do I continue to travel? At that time, I was touring a lot um, overseas in France, London, Vienna, um, you know, and working real hard. Um, and touring isn't always, uh, <laughs> you know, what, what you see on a music video. And sometimes touring is, is rough, you know what I mean? Yeah. And um, and I was blessed for Hannah to be able to come with me a lot of times on those tours. Uh, so I was just contemplating like, man, like how do you do that with a kid when you are that focused and that determined and you know who you are and you know like what you want to be doing, pursuing your dream. Yeah. then everything else just becomes synergy. Like being a father made me a better writer. Yeah. Like after I became a dad is actually when I got my first record deal and got to write for other people and, and all these other things. Like I think that if we're afraid of things, you know, Will Smith said it like so great, like the best things are on the other side of fear. Yeah. You know, I think if we're afraid of things that, that might just be one way of stopping us, but it has definitely been a challenge being um, budgeting financially. You know, we, we've hit some hard times, like tw like 2017, yeah. two boys and um, being married and 
made some bad, you know, decisions because you know, really young. Went on my went on my first big bus tour. Was playing in front of thousands of people. Made some bad financial decisions because I didn't know what to do with money. <laughs> and I actually, we ended up actually having to move back in with parents after that, um, about a year after that tour. Wow. We were staying in a very rough neighborhood. And then after I got that tour, I made more money than I've ever made, which is still a little. <laughs> and um, we moved to a different neighborhood, you know, paying for a rent that. I thought at the time we could afford, but we actually couldn't. Yeah. And um, then at the end of that tour, we were making moves, buying some stuff, bought a car and whatever, whatever, and the money went zero. And then we were like, what are we gonna do now? Cause the next tour didn't come up. I was signed to Motown and um, one of my records, Ballad, um, I was told was gonna get put on a, um, a, a movie and I thought the check was already in the bank, but it wasn't. <laughs> and, um, and just some different things happened and we actually ended up moving back in with my, my parents. And I was in a really low place, uh, to be honest with you, mentally. Uh, but then I look at that and then I look at how still my wife and my kids kept me grounded throughout, dra- throughout um, that low place and and focusing on the dream of not just making music, but what music does for people, you know, yeah. bring people together, speaking about racial reconciliation, speaking about community work, you know, serving things like that. And then I look back from 2017 to 2020 and and we actually own a home. Yeah. And we actually own another home that we rent out just learning and growing. I think that's what life is about. You know, I had to meet people to help me learn and grow inside this uh, music industry. Oh yeah. I, I think you speak to a lot of powerful points. Uh, one is what I, what I know is, is, is marriage can be a powerful tool in terms of uh, encouraging you to chase your dreams. Cause I know, I, I look back at, at even my story, I just don't know where I would be without the support of my wife. You know what I mean? Just the support and encouragement from my wife. And I bet she can say the same also. So you're speaking to something that is powerful. You know, we, we both, What? how old were you when you got married? I was 20. 20. I got married at 23. So, you know, both being married young, yeah. but also just learning as you go in your marriage, just like anything else. But I also want to talk about, you know, what did you learn from your hardships and being, you know, being set back a little bit? What did you learn from those experiences? Man, um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, you know, I feel like, you know, just to piggyback a little bit on what you said about marriage, um, I think I learned a lot about marriage during those times. And I think, I think, um, I think I learned a lot about, I think I think those hardships made our marriage stronger, and then when it made our marriage stronger, it made the team stronger. Yeah. And then to be able to push people, um, and to push each other into our directions, um, easier. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I definitely learned to not compare myself to um, other people's bank accounts. Yeah. I realized that I did that a lot. I was already a uh, starving artist, emerging artist, even though that people saw I was like touring in different countries and all this stuff, you know, 
you know, being married and, and, and eating food and buying plane tickets still costs money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for real. And um, and then when I got signed, I just kind of had these unrealistic expectations of magic happening and these things are going to happen. And every time I hit a milestone, I never celebrated. I never was like, yo, this I'm grateful to be here. I never um, took a moment to appreciate and, tr and trust the process that was actually happening. Mm -hmm. I was always looking to the next. Yeah. Um, for example, I had just got home from doing a TED talk at Berkeley, which was a dream come true. Oh, awesome TED talk, by the way. I love the t-shirt, the, the man. Thanks, uh, song. Yeah, but yeah. And, and the day I got home, I looked at my streaming numbers and I was like, I was in the kitchen. I was like, man, like the streaming numbers ain't going such and such. What are, what are they doing? What's happening with such and such? And my wife walked out and she was like, boy, you just got back from doing a TED talk. Like be grateful for a second. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, so what I realized was I was always comparing myself to what other folks were doing. You know, other folks that for whatever reason I thought had more money than me. Yeah. And that is the wrong way to go about pursuing your dream. That is the wrong way to go about being purposeful. That is the wrong way to, to grow. That's the wrong way to be a husband, wrong way to be a father. That's the wrong way to do anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. And um, so I learned to be grateful. I feel like the minute that I learned that I'm successful right now because I'm living my dream right now. Yeah. I'm a father, I'm a husband. I love being a father and a husband. Um, I write songs and whether they are platinum right now, whether they're on the radio, I love eating good food. Yeah. I love cooking. Um, I love seeing different parts of the world. I'm breathing. You know what I mean? Like all those things, I had to stop and say, wow, I am successful right now. That doesn't mean you, you give up on anything. You know what I mean? But I learned that, that I am successful right now. I'm living my dream right now. And I think that is when things started to change really for me and my mindset. And when I really started to feel like very free, when I really started to see a lot of things differently, man, like during those years where I was focused on, you know, my bank account number, I, I was neglecting family time. Like I live in the same city and like barely saw my mom, you yeah. know what I mean? Like barely saw like my grandmother and, you know, different people. I was always out of town, always gone. And I think that's what it really taught me, you know? And so once I learned that I'm successful right now, it was, it, it changed a lot for me and my perception and my advantage, my advantage view. Yeah, I think, yeah, you talked about that a lot in, uh, in Dope. But I want to uh, ask, you know, what was it like, you know, being an emerging artist and signing with Motown? You know, how was that feeling for you? Bro, I remember, I remember when I got the phone call that they wanted to sign and they were they were cool with the contract and stuff. Yeah. And um, I was in Vienna, Austria, and I was coming off the subway, and <laughs> and before I got off the subway, I on my um, headphones, I put my headphones in and I put on J Cole. 
Um, I'm about to blow up. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dancing in the subway, man, it felt really good. I was like, I'm about to blow up. And yeah. I, was, <laughs> I was having a great time, man, and I did that thing on repeat, walking back to the flat, and um, I was excited, man. Like I was, it, it felt amazing for so many reasons, you know, just to be told, you know, a, a lot of your life, it's an intangible dream, you know what I mean? Um, I was told so many years that like, when you get married, that dream's gonna definitely go away. You know, I was um, told so many years that the music I was making was too positive. Yeah. That I either needed to make Christian music, like go all the way Christian artists, or either go all the way, you know, girls, money, hoes, you know, all, all that. Yeah. And I never wanted to do that. Like I've always wanted to make a music that talked about stories and had a message of like hope and painted pictures of, of narratives, like, you know. And I was always told that, that that's just not gonna catch nobody's eye. To be sitting, looking at like a deal with Motown you know, Universal Records, like, you're just like, wow, this is amazing, this is crazy cool. Um, you know, I was definitely a kid, came into it not knowing anything, but then at some point I learned a lot there too. The first time I've ever raised my voice at someone was after I got signed. Like, I've been, like, I've been in fights before with other people, yeah. but I never yelled at that person. We just, we just threw hands. Yeah. <laughs> And for real. <laughs> but after I got signed, it was the first time I ever raised my voice to somebody over the phone because I was frustrated with what was happening um, with the music. Uh, because I was, like I said earlier, I came into it with an unrealistic expectation. Like I wasn't really sure what I was stepping into as far as creatively. Once I got in there and to Motown, and I was a sponge and soaked up and just really learned a lot from the music industry. Um, you know, I have so many success stories to, to kind of, so many growth stories to kind of share from there. Um, I'm an independent artist now. I was signed with them for um, for four years. Um, but recently I just uh, did a deal, an album deal with um, RMG, um, which I'm really excited about. Um, some new music coming out. It, it's always, um, like I said, I think I'm in a new place of mind ever mm -hmm. since 2018. And I'm just really grateful for you know what's happening, um, even even in the midst of COVID right now. Like, I'm I'm very grateful for what's happening. I listen to a lot of Nipsey and J Cole. Those are like my two top guys. But my yeah. wife put me on Fabulous recently, and one of the things he said is, you know, time heals all wounds, but you still see the scars. You know what I'm saying? And you know, what have you learned from your scars? You know, what have you learned from those wounds like Motown or like other things that have, you know, taken time and have healed over time, but what have you learned from those experiences? I, I think, you know, when I when I think about a scar um, where, you know, I felt, felt lost or felt wounded is that you can't control everything. Yeah. And if you can't, and when you realize you can't control everything, that doesn't mean you need to go start trying to control stuff. Because yeah. you can you can kick down a door, and then once you get in that room, you might not even like the room you in. Um, you can burn a bridge, you can step on people and hurt people, and what happens is you are now showing that you're an insecure person. 
what I've learned is that I don't find my security in, you know, approval of of different people uh, or, or people um, regardless or, or financial uh, success that when you allow God to just do his thing and, and you trust what he is doing, things move, like things open up. I don't know, it's a hard thing to explain sometimes, um, but I've seen it where you could insert all this energy into a, a circumstance that you have no control over. Or you can be grateful and you can um, do whatever you know you can do inside your purpose and wait and watch that person be removed from your life by themselves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, can, you can watch you know a bridge burn down but you didn't have nothing to do with that bit, that bridge burning down. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I think a lot of us, sometimes we try to control the atmosphere of what's happening. But the thing is, is we're in this life. We're meant to show love to other people. We're not meant to control other people for our selfish, you know, plot or our selfish plan for whatever our life needs to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think those are the things I definitely kind of come away with. Because before I got signed, I was always doing a lot of things by myself. And I, and I was always, um, you know, ignorant to a lot of other business procedures. You know, I'm just, have, I'm just trying to sell CDs and play shows. Mm-hmm. Um, but when, you got, when I got signed, I saw a lot of like office politics. I saw a lot of other successful artists that, you know, might have found success in in certain ways that you know, I was like, "Oh, really? That that really goes? That's that happens here?" <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. um, and if you attach yourselves to this, those environments, you'll think, "Oh, I gotta man up on this person, or I gotta do this, or I have to control the situation, or I have to make sure that my agenda is the priority for whatever going down." You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, especially in that industry. I'm not sure about other industries. Um, I think that you can lose who you are. You can become a selfish, angry person. You can become uh, an alone person. I'm thankful that I didn't become that. I'm thankful that I didn't, you know, feel hurt and selfish and alone and pushed away family and pushed away people. Because, you know, you hear stories of that's what happened when you when they got hurt in the music industry. That's what happened when they got hurt in, in certain places. Um, you know, Rick Ross um, said something on Breakfast Club. He said, he said the people on the team that keep going with him are the folks that realize that they don't always have to have the same position. Mm-hmm. And to to me, what that meant was if you're so if you're so title driven, you'll kick and push and fight people to keep a certain title. Yeah. But if purpose driven your title might change but your purpose will stay the same yeah and and so he said you know he applauded the people that was with that was in his camp for so long because they would they stayed in the camp because they continued to move and grow with with the team yeah i mean if you are a manager one year and then the team grows and you need a manager that's more skilled in a certain situation don't get mad, just move to another position 
and allow somebody else that to come in that knows what they're doing in order to grow um, the team, in order to grow the business. Mm-hmm. And the way he explained it, he just set up said more volumes to me as far as like um, how to stay grateful and happy. I think that's powerful, man. Especially in your situation, you know, going through those experiences um, were necessary. You know what I mean? Because of the learning experiences that you had through those tough times, you know what I mean? Whatever they may be. Uh, I wanted to ask you, how was it having, you know, a Navy SEAL, astronaut, uh, Chris Cassidy, you know, talking to you from space, man? How was that? Yo, man, um, to be real with you, I I wasn't expecting it at all. Like, from start to finish, the whole, um, the whole way it went down was just kind of really cool to me. Um, again, like I said, I think, I've just been a more grateful person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and so when when I got a email from Chris Cassidy's sister saying, hey, um, I was wondering if you could send an encouraging word on a song to my brother. He's Chris Cassidy's on the space station. I just stopped right there. And I was like, thankful, like, yo, somebody's listening to my music that is that wants me to send a message to their brother. <laughs> I was like, yo, that's like, I was just really grateful that touched me. Yeah. And then it was like more icing on the cake that I was like, wait, pause. You're like, your, your, your brother's on the space station? <laughs> <laughs> and then to do it, and then to get an email back from NASA that when I downloaded it, it was um, a video message to me from Chris Cassidy, you know, me and my family watched it like five times. We we're just like, yo, this is crazy. Like, dude <laughs> is in space and he emailed me from space. And you know, and you start looking in the sky for no reason. Yeah. <laughs> Knowing you can't see nothing, but but all of us in the kitchen just like looking at the ceiling, like, yo. <laughs> that is crazy. But nah, it was it was really cool. And and again, something like that. Is something I would have missed prior to 2017. Yeah. Um, and something like that, how no matter how big or small, is crazy to be able to touch someone in any capacity. Yeah. You know what I mean, um, regardless of music, um, regardless of you know whatever it is, but you're on purpose, and your purpose touched someone else, um, and to watch them respond is is a blessing and we should stop and be thankful for that i, I think about purpose as as a fingerprint um if me and you were to touch a door at the same time someone would come behind us they'll know who touched the door at what because our fingerprints our mark is different you know what i yeah. mean but it's also a way to leave your mark and i think all of us have those individual fingerprints or unique skill sets that we should use and, it, and it's and it's it's awesome to see your, you know what I'm saying, your fingerprint on things. And so I want to ask, you know, how was it leaving your fingerprint or your mark on on the voice? How was that experience? <laughs> Yo, <laughs> <laughs> the voice was amazing. I laughed because, um, because when I watch other people's interviews, other other friends I have from the voice, their mm-hmm. interviews, it's very, they're, they're, our, our, our takeaways sometimes are very different. And so I, I'm not sure if mine is always the one that listeners wants, want to hear. Yeah. I learned 
so much about myself. I don't know, man. These past like four years, I've definitely been on this like self-education. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, learning myself and just processing things. Like, just one to get it out the way because I know folks might want to hear. But like, yes, m- meeting Gwen Stefani and Blake and John Legend, like those folks, like you know, what was crazy, you know, pillars in the industry. Yeah. Who have done amazing things who've, who've changed music you know i think the thing that i appreciate the most from the two things that i appreciate the most is you know learning that gwen stefani and those guys they're just like real folks yeah. and the thing that i was most hesitant about going into this was how people were going to see me and how NBC was going to uh, portray my my story yeah. um, in front of people, you know, black guy, dreads, like how is the rest of middle America going to see me? And I want to represent my city well. I want to represent my family well. I don't want to represent my people well. Yeah. Um, and there were certain times that NBC was like, "Yo, could you freestyle for us? Could you rap for us? Things like that." And I was just really concerned, like, "Yo, I really." I, I, and I asked tons of questions, like, I really want to represent this well. The very first thing that Gwen Stefani said to me was, was, hey, middle America is going to watch this show. And before you say anything, they're going to think they know who you are because the way you look. Mm-hmm. She said, what I need you to do, I don't need you to like do anything spectacular. I just need you to look through this camera some kind of way, project your character through to the person sitting on the couch mm-hmm. so you will let them know who you are and for some reason that just really touched me because that that let me know that she know she knows the industry yeah and she that, knew yeah she knew what the deal was she knew what i might have already been thinking and she was like yo i i see you i get it and let me give you some steps and some advice to how to move on TV so people see your character. Yeah. And so that was fly. I think the thing that I took away the most from The Voice is have different stories in you and you just won't understand them. Mm-hmm. You just, you just, you might just not understand them. But just because you don't understand them, it doesn't mean that those stories aren't real. Yeah. I saw some people, um, you know, have anxiety like and things like that. And I don't, I just don't understand anxiety because I never, you know, really had it yeah. the, way, the way I saw it. Yeah. Um, you know, anxiety from stepping on a stage in front of people. And, you know, I guess, I, I guess I've never experienced that because that's been my whole career, stepping on stages in front of people. And mm-hmm. so that part wasn't really hard until I got in my head. And you know, I, I sent this I sent this email out kind of explaining, you know, what I'm saying right now. Mm-hmm. And I remember before, you know, they they tell you, they've been doing this for like 17 seasons, so they know what they're talking about. So they'll, you know, people will come in there and they'll be like, hey, make sure you guys aren't getting in your head. Um, the whole team, like every once in a while, you had to go see like a, um, a counselor that kind of like talk through stuff they're like yo like how you doing how you feeling such and such and the whole time i'm just kind of thinking like why am i talking to a counselor like this is this is, <laughs> like, this is stupid 
But then at some point I had to realize that, yo, they've been doing this for a long time and some people actually might need this. Yeah. Like people that go home that don't win might actually like need this. Like I was meeting people that they thought that this was their shot. This is this is their being on a voice was their only chance to ever do music. Wow. And to feel like, you know, I remember when I went home, I'm kind of jumping around a little bit, but it's cool, it's cool. I remember when I went home after losing the battle and you know, immediately they had me go talk to a counselor. And one of the questions the counselor asked me was like, hey, how you doing? You know, do you have anything good to go home to? And I just kind of sat in that question for a minute. Yeah. And I was just like, wow, that sucks that that question has to be asked. Yeah. That that question has to be asked because some people might feel like they don't have anything good to go home to. Mm. Some people might not have anything good to go home to. And immediately, that grateful feeling just fell back on me. Where I was just like, wow, I mean, I do have so many amazing things to go back home to. Uh, I do have so many amazing things to keep, like this isn't the end, this is, the voice wasn't like even like a a mountain, you know what I mean? Like it was like a thing I did that was cool and fun, you know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) To some people, it was like the only thing. Man, like I hope I hope listeners that are hearing they're you know they're they're hearing what I'm trying to say is is that what was happening to me during that time was I was growing more and more grateful. Mm-hmm. I was listening to these stories of people who are struggled with this and struggled with that, you know, eating disorders, different habits, different things, and that I just didn't understand. And I was able to kind of grow close with these people and sit down and have lunch and talk with these people people that fought differently politically, different skin tones, different um, complexions um, from different parts of the world, different parts of um, the United States. And I just really learned and grew a lot. I took all that stuff home and I wrote songs about it. <laughs> Man, I could I could probably talk all day. If, if I sat down and went through that whole thing, I could probably talk all day um, with, with you about that because there were so many really cool learning experiences. Wow, that is awesome, man. So looking back over your life, not just your music career, but what does trust in the process mean to you? I don't know why I keep bringing this up, but like 2017, my answer probably would have been completely different. Right now, I I basically think when, when someone decides to trust the process, that means that you're doing basically what, what, uh, what Tupac said, uh, changing the way we eat, changing the way we treat each other, changing the way we talk, changing the when you start trusting the process, you start changing mind, yeah. body, soul. You know, you want to become a boxer, your process becomes completely different than when you want to become a doctor. A fantastic uh, documentary right now, um, The Last Dance with um, Michael Jordan. It, one thing that stood out to me is his um, physical therapist said, he was like, man, like you were playing baseball for so long, your body is a baseball body. Yeah. It's a baseball player's body. You might still have the talent of a basketball player, but your body doesn't match the talent anymore. Yeah. And so they had to get his body back to a basketball player's body, like training yeah. and doing what it, what it was necessary. And that spoke volumes to me. And trusting the process is you're, you're, you are growing. So to me, to answer your question with a period, <laughs> trusting the process means to grow to grow and if you're not growing 
then you're not trusting the process and, and you don't know the process in order to trust it. You know what I mean? Like thinking about a plant. You can't trust the process of growing a tomato plant if you keep it in the shade when tomatoes need sun. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're not trusting it because you don't know it. And so I think to grow is to trust the process. That's awesome, man, to grow. So with your growth that you've had over your life, you know, what advice would you give your younger self? I would tell my younger self to be that you are successful right now. I would tell my younger self, the minute you chose to pursue music as a plan A, you are successful. Keep going. Trust the process. Learn. Grow. I would tell myself, the minute you chose this wife, trust the process. Keep growing. I think we fail to trust the process. I think we fail um, at trusting the process the minute we start thinking that we are not a success. We think we are not a success and now we're scrambling trying to figure out where success is and you forgot the process. You're, you're panicking in the water and panicking in the water drowns you. That's what I would tell myself. <laughs> Man, if I would have if I would have known that <laughs> if I would have known that, man, like I just think about like how much anxiety and fear I wouldn't have put on myself. The the unrealistic expectations that I wouldn't have had on my wife when I got married. All this fear, all these fatherhood fears of like, you know, always trying to do it better. You know, I think that's I think that is a job. I think that's something, a goal that we, that every father should be doing, you know? However we were fathered from whatever father figure we had, to take the good out of it and and put the better into it. Yeah. Um, so our children can can, can grow and, and monopolize on all the gratefulness there is in life. I think that's what I would do, man. Like, I'm just... I don't know if that would change anything as far as like the course of um, my music and the stages I went through, but I, I definitely know that I probably would have grew faster. I would have learned faster. When I was trying to get my mother-in-law um, to like me um, while I was dating Hannah, um, I noticed, you remember my uncle, he owned a plant nursery? Oh yeah. Yeah, so I noticed that she didn't have a lot of plants in her yard. <laughs> so, you know, I didn't know nothing about plants, but I knew that, I, you know, just I used to just put them where my uncle told me to put them. So anyways, I asked my uncle if I could, you know, have some plants for the low. I'm trying to impress my girl's mom. <laughs> and so, you know, I got some plants, some palms, some uh, sable palms and, you know, whatever. And uh, some side, and so I'm fixing up her yard and stuff. And it's hilarious, like to this day, so that's, you know, 12, 11 years ago. Yeah. Um, to this day, you can go to her house and you'll see the two palm trees. And one is placed in sun. Yeah. And so that was thriving. <laughs> yeah. And the other one's placed in shade. And every time I go to her house, that speaks to me, man. Yeah. Because I didn't know what I was doing. But when I, when I planted them, but it speaks to me because the one that's in shade actually is not dead. It just ain't grown. Yeah. And it, it just ain't grown in 10 years. <laughs> but the one that's in the sun is 
taking up the window space. Yeah. Like, it's humongous, bro. Like it's it's probably like seven, eight feet tall. And it's wide. And I just look at it and it speaks to me. That is trusting the process. I'll say if you're not trusting the process, you might not die, but you just might not grow. Yeah, you might not reach your growth. Yeah. Man, that's powerful, man. That's powerful. Man, I just want to thank you so much, man, for you know coming on the podcast and sharing your experiences, your life experiences, your life lessons, just being transparent with the listeners. Um, do you have any lasting words that you want to leave with the listeners? You know, if you don't, if you guys don't remember anything that you know that I that I said, or even if I rambled too much and and what I said, you know, kind of got lost. I believe that all of us only want three things in life love purpose and security and the only way that we can see all of those in our life is if we get it in that order so learn what love is learn how to love yourself learn how to love people and that love will reveal your purpose and through purpose you'll find your security um that's the only way to that's the only way to get all three so that's that's what i would like to say to everybody Wow, thank you. Where can the listeners find you, you know, to tap into your music and everything you have going on? Uh, anywhere you listen to music, man. Um, Tidal, Amazon, Google. Um, most people listen on you know, Spotify, Apple Play. But just my full name, Royce Lovett. Um, got some new music coming out. And my, I think my latest single right now is called uh, Good Morning. I appreciate it, you know, every buy, every stream. Because uh, especially right now, you know, COVID, nobody's playing shows right now. So living off of streams, which is getting really interested, is interesting, sorry, um, as far as, you know, legislation goes, as far as uh, how artists are getting paid nowadays. But, um, but I appreciate the support, guys. This episode was brought to you by Overcome Achieve Clothing. Allow what you have overcome to fuel the flame of persistence as you face and conquer your next challenge. Wear your truth, overcome. I think the main thing for me was trying to decide on who am I and like what I want to be and how I want to be remembered. Like that was my thing. Right? You know, oftentimes I think about like my legacy and like the mark that I want to leave, not only on the industry, but the effect that I want to leave on people. Being a whole human being, going through my obstacles, going through the things that I'm going through and not to only broadcast these things, but for it to inspire change.